Hello, hello, hello to all you simpletons out there. We back at it again. Got my second guest on the show. My main man, Ross Woodrow. Owner and bartender at the Life on Mars. You feel me? This is deep down suburb to Hong Kong. A little place called Shenzhen, if you know where that's at. It's in the PRC. My man, Ross, created this bar for his father, for David Bowie, of course, and his love of rock music, the Blue Cube, as he puts it. And he's coming out here doing his thing, creating these high quality drinks. He's got the highest IQ of a mixology with the cocktails that I've ever seen. So please be advised, this episode is a little explicit. And if it hurts your feelings in any type of way, my apologies in advance. Ross, my man, welcome. Hello, thank you. How you been, man? I'm great. I'm still living your name, by the way. Huh? I still live your name, by the way. Why? <laughs> you sound like a font. A font? Yeah, you know, like Times New Roman, Ariel Black, Basia Hodges second. And that's what confused me. I was like, why the <laughs> in the world would... What's this font, bold font thing? <laughs> I think it's because my wife's a graphic designer, so she's always like going on about good fonts and stuff. Mm. <laughs> and I'm just like, I remember actually when you came in uh, with Augustine, and I was like, Augustine and Vasir are either like Roman generals or fonts. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the only two options. It's actually quite interesting because like most of my friends have these fairly interesting names yeah you've got augustine you've got versia and then tamaya that you got to meet and then you just have this normal guy from the uk named sam <laughs> yeah we, we all have dull names you know like 90 percent of the people are just called john smith yeah it's like <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your bar why did you want to be in the bar industry and yeah uh okay so bar industry is like i'm pretty much your stereotypical bartender, I think, in that I never really planned to be in the drinks industry. Um, I actually studied as a graphic designer and I just didn't enjoy the course that I was on. Um, and during that time, I obviously discovered alcohol and drinking and partying. Uh, and like, I just dropped out of university, basically needed some cash. I was working in a soap shop for a while. Oh yeah, I know all about lavender. Nice. And. Um, <laughs> Eventually I started like doing part-time evenings at the bar and I think like most people who got into the bar uh, industry initially, I was like, dude, this is great. I could just like drink and party and chat to girls and I get paid for it. Amazing. Mm. Um, so I quit like my daytime job, just went full-time bar. And then, you know, like for the first couple of years, I essentially was just, you know, partying, fucking around, having fun. Um, but then after a while I moved to England, uh, sorry, to Australia and started taking it a bit more seriously when I got to work in some more high-end bars mm -hmm. and it became more of like a career rather than just a way to make money. Which, uh, which high-end bars did you work at in Australia and which part of Australia were you in? Um, I was in Sydney. I went and did like the usual working holiday visa and I intended to actually live there forever so it's funny that I ended up in China. Um, but yeah, I worked in, there was a new opening sort of like high-end Mexican restaurant slash tequila bar called Mexico, which was on Pitt Street, and I believe it's still on Pitt Street. And then I worked in a bar in the Rocks District, which is kind of like the swanky uh, area, like right opposite the Opera House. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, they were much more like into 
cocktail culture and like in fact Sydney in general was really into cocktail culture. I mean where I'm from is a city of like 140,000 people so it's basically just tourism and farmers most of the time. <laughs> so, what's, the, what's the name of the city that you're from? Uh, York, the, the original York. Uh, not, the, not the one where you guys stole that name. Uh, well, for, forgive my American uh, background, but I have no knowledge of that at all. So You still owe us for all that tea, by the way. Yes, very much so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should read up on some more history because that's one thing that I would criticize about American history being skewed and taught incorrectly. I mean, I'm sure that there's good and bad on both sides, probably. <laughs> that's history, really. Nothing's ever sort of like clear cut. These are the bad guys, these are the good guys. So, yeah. I think. Yeah, I remember I had a conversation with uh, this young kid. He was probably like around 18 or so, and he was saying about how, you know, you know, you guys stole our language and all this other stuff. I'm just like, yeah, you guys done a little bit worse than... Stole the languages just, in, like, English? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As far as, like... It's, and we're talking about a kid here. Okay. I, I mean, I assume he was joking? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> okay, I hope so. Like, stole language. I think we more, like, aggressively gifted it to the rest of the world. <laughs> yeah. Via naval warfare. <laughs> yeah. So, um... So which would you rather prefer at your those two bars that you worked at? Which ones were sort of reached an even more stepping point as far as developing a career? Um, I think the second one in the rocks, the clientele were much more interested in cocktail culture. Um, and also the guy that was the bar manager at the time, um, he knew a lot of stuff that I'd never even heard or thought about in terms of ingredients and making ingredients. and flavor pairings and uh, their cocktail menu was very varied. Obviously in the tequila, right, it was all tequila mm. <laughs> and mezcal. And I got like a big, big passion for agave spirits from that place. Um, but in terms of just like a more broader cocktail culture, yeah, definitely. It was called Ananas. It was like a French, uh, like 1920s bistro slash cocktail bar. I think it's closed now, actually. So, really? But uh, yeah, I was actually there like very briefly. It was where I worked just before I left Sydney. I think it was like, five months um but i felt like yeah that kind of like really instilled a deeper interest in cocktail culture mm. into me yeah because i like for your bar like life on mars like that was such an interesting name that just like popped out immediately the minute when i when i first got here yeah. and it was on my tab for the list so when i introduced agu when he came my friend it was just like it's just smooth it's, it's casual my favorite color is blue too, so I'm kind of <laughs> kind of lingered towards that as well. We're basically sitting in the blue cube, just so everyone's aware. That's my bar. I love blue. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> um, so, where did you get the name Life on Mars? Because if I'm not mistaken, Mars is nowhere near the color blue. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I felt like kind of like wrong making nothing red in the actual bar considering the name um but the name is kind of like two reasons the the main reason behind it is like uh david bowie is obviously an incredibly famous british rock star uh but he did like everything like movies arts uh tv um he's like very influential and he was my father's favorite musician and then growing up obviously i heard a lot of his music through my father um, so he's one of my favorite musicians as well. Uh, my father passed away uh, a few years ago now, and I kind of wanted to name the bar after him in some way, but I didn't want it to be sort of like too too obvious, like the, you know, like the dead dad bar. You know? <laughs> um, 
So I thought this was like a nice little nod and it also kind of fits in with the style of bar that we wanted to go with, like more like rock music relaxed. Mm-hmm. Um, and the uh, other main reason is like Bowie was famous for like every different album he had. Uh, he basically like reinvented himself a, a new character and the music would change a bit. Um, so like he'd have, you know, like Ziggy Stardust be one character, Lad Insane be another character. Um, and he was completely like a different, at least visually and uh, soundly, that's not a good person, um, during that time. Um, and I think that's a good idea for a bar. Like we change our menu at least twice a year and I want every menu to be different, to try pushing new boundaries, to try out new ideas. Like mm. we're about to bring out a new menu and uh, I've decided that I want to fuck around with fat washing more for instance in this one so there's going to be some more fat wash cocktails which um, I've only ever sort of like dipped my toe into before you know? mm. so as far as like your your specialty which drinks would you say that you linger towards more so like what which ones are like I like the top like the top five like do you normally want to use like whiskey or is it do you more like to use yeah so um, I think like in terms of what I want to use, I'm very drawn to like natural flavors. Like Yorkshire is like a super like rural area, lots of farmland, forests and stuff like that, moorland. Um, so I really like to use like fresh fruit, vegetables, infusions, especially things that are like local to uh, where I'm from. Like we use a lot of rhubarb here. Like we make our own rhubarb liqueur, for example, which to me is like just like a super tasty normal thing, but it's like completely alien to people here in China. So it seems a lot more exotic and interesting for them. Mm. Like even when I tell them like rhubarb's name in Chinese, they're still like, I don't know what the hell that is. <laughs> um, so that's cool. And uh, in terms of like what spirits to use, I'm, I mean, personally, I really love rum and mezcal, but I think in terms of just like the styles for anything, I've always been attracted to using very underdog things like I try to always not do anything that's popular at the time mm. um I mean yeah I'm I'm not just that type of person like I guess as a kid I was kind of the underdog as well I was just like the little quiet nerdy guy in the corner that read books at playtime you know <laughs> um do you so like now for instance like whiskey is like the big big thing over here in China but I almost never use it I'll have like maybe one or two cocktails on because I like to make sure I include everything but the focus will always be on like a different ingredient that people maybe have not tried before hmm. like which ones because um, I mean obviously whiskey is quite a popular drink and tequila might be as well I'm you know I'm... tequila's getting a little bit more popular recently but more just as a let's do shots type thing um, of course so people are like people are, I mean you can kind of see from here we've got like a little lockers which are like uh, customers bottles that they've bought mm -hmm. one locker is essentially just like almost empties of Don Julio Blanco tequila because people are just buying bottles of that and shutting them all night <laughs> um, so yeah I mean I like sort of using everything which ones uh, would you say that um, you haven't used as much uh, in terms of like like a broad category of spirits. Yeah, yeah. Um, aside from whiskey, because of the previous point, brandy, it's just kind of, I don't know, it's kind of always been a bit of a blind spot for me. Mm. Um, it's kind of super old, like it's sort of like heyday kind of past. So in terms of cocktails, it's never really been sort of like on my radar. And then whenever I do think about it, it's more like a neat sipping spirit. Uh, kind of like what a lot of people view single malt whiskey as, but it's not quite popular enough 
to always be in your face like whiskey would be. Yeah. So it kind of, it gets forgotten a bit for me. I mean, that and vodka, because uh, I'm one of those bartenders which subscribes to the fact that vodka is essentially tasteless, so there's no reason to put it in your drink unless you either want to just pump up the ABV or use it as a, to infuse into a liqueur. So yeah, like 90% of the time when I use a vodka, I'm making like say a rhubarb liqueur using it. So there's technically vodka in the drinks that have that in, but it's not like I'm going to use vodka because I love vodka. (laughs) So how could you taste the difference between, you know, when, you know, a Russian vodka or something that was made somewhere else? Um, I mean, it's not just about place as well. It's about how they make it and also which ingredients they use. So like uh, most of the popular vodkas will be made from like grain, like wheat, for example, like winter wheat is really popular, Mm -hmm. but you can also make it from potatoes. There's even some vodkas like uh, in France that are using like grape and things like that, you know? Like vodka can essentially just be made from anything like within certain rule sets of different countries. It's, yeah, it's it's basically just a neutral spirit. So it's essentially make booze from something and then filter and distill it so that there's no actual flavor left. Hmm. I mean, there's slight flavor. Like if you're having it neat, you can taste the difference between vodkas, but I think if you're putting it in a cocktail, unless you're using the most like roughest fucking vodka you can find <laughs> you're not gonna taste a huge difference i see so i was gonna i was asking about like what are some of the the benefits of owning a bar and also maybe the challenges that you could possibly face uh benefit i can get drunk at work and no one's gonna tell me off um <laughs> that's that's always a good one <laughs> um i mean i think the biggest benefit is the the social interactions I, i'm a very social person um i really like meeting new people uh so basically having my job be to meet new people every night is uh, a really big plus for me and what sort of keeps me in the industry um, downside is it's uh, very stressful at times. Like, no no one opens a bar, at least a cocktail bar, to make money, I think. It's always a passion project, unless you're just completely blind and think you'll make a lot of money. I always say, if you want to make money and you want to open a bar, open, like, a nightclub or, like, uh, more like a beer bar or something like that, you know, like, high volume sort of thing. Um, so, you know, like we'll have mumps, which is like, great. We'll be rammed. We'll be making good money. And I'm like, yay. And then, you know, on the, on the quieter mumps, like it's like really, really difficult, really tough. You know? mm. I never thought of it that way. Cause like, I guess my impression of people that own bars, is just like, you know, you have so many options and it just seems so lively that people love going to bars and, mm-hmm. and having drinks that like, it just seems like every bar is like ranking it in. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a very, I think. China-centric issue for me at the moment because if you go to like Shanghai, which has had more uh, international culture for a lot more, uh, a lot longer time, sorry, um, it's had the time to build up a cocktail industry, mm. and even like young local people, older older people, uh, older local people, they are actually genuinely interested in cocktails and cocktail culture and trying new things and stuff like that. Um, whereas down here in Shenzhen, it's like such a new city. And I think most people essentially come here to kind of like make their fortune, you know? Um, so actual like relaxed time and like, uh, using your disposable income is very much on the back burner for everybody. Um, so they're not going to go out and, you know, like, Hey, I want to try this new, like weird cocktail that I've never tried before. And, you know, spend a few RMB on that. Um, they'd be better like, oh, I'm just going to do some overtime, make more money. Because I think a lot of people, they come here to make their riches and then they'll go back to their hometown with that money. 
open their own business there or maybe buy a house there or get married or something like that. You see it a lot like uh, Shenzhen kind of like cycles through people. You know hmm. what I mean? I'm, I'm, I mean, in Shanghai, it probably might be even more intense, wouldn't you say? It'd definitely be harder because there's a lot more competition, but then there's also a much bigger customer base. Um, and there's just like a supportive industry there. Like most cocktail bars, I think, it's not kind of like, oh, do you have a cocktail bar as the enemy, you know, sort of thing. People tend to get on, they visit each other's bars, their brands will help and support you and stuff like that. And it kind of gives you a lot more comfort and, uh, I mean, like it reduces your stress if you feel like people have got your back like that in that way. Whereas uh, it's changing down here. It's like, you can see there's bars coming down here and opening now. Everyone, like Shenzhen will be the next big cocktail city, 100%. But to get to where it is in Shanghai, for example, where it's like wildly accepted, everyone's going out and having some relaxing drinks, it's going to be like five years at least. I don't know. And how long have you been here? You said about five years or so? Uh, over four now, yeah. Um, after Christmas, it'll be like yeah, getting close to four and a half. And how long has it it's been two years since you've had this place open, right? Yeah, pretty much bang on two years. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Mm, so... I got a question about like specific situations for like specific drinks. Cool. So, so like beer, where would you typically have a beer? Like personally drinking it, you mean? Uh, either way. Um, I mean, to be quite honest, I don't drink beer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm like, I don't like beer and I like wine makes me sleepy. So I can't drink it even though I like it. So I'm very much a spirits person. But mm. I mean, beer is more of like a, I don't know, like a wind down drink or a daytime drink, in my opinion. Um, I mean, it can kind of be anything, really. Um, but in my mind, beer is for more of a casual setting, be that a quiet daytime drink or more of like a, a pub. I mean, like in England, where I'm from, like pubs are like the social heart of uh, a city or a town or anything like that. So everyone's just having pints, chilling out, relaxing, like catching up with the neighbors, staffing. Yeah, because I've seen like in LA, it's more um, cocktail oriented mm. and having a beer is just as normal in the clubs. But I'm thinking like I've always seen like, you know, when you see someone in a club and they have like a glass of wine and it's like, you know, the, the music's crazy lively, just seems seems off. Kind of yeah. weird. For me, I think like beer is like you can kind of just do it anywhere. It's casual, like I said, whereas cocktails are more like it's a it's a thing you make a direct choice to do. Like say you you know it's a sunny day you're sat outside and you're just like fuck it I'm gonna have a beer this is nice, whereas if you're like oh, I'm gonna have an old fashioned that's much more like that's gonna alter the course of your plan for the day you know it's not like oh, I can have one beer and go back to work but it's like I'm gonna have an old fashioned and go back to work you're like no kind of like I've <laughs> I've set on this road of drinking today now you know yeah most definitely so I'm gonna give you those uh, those quick fire questions. Cool. Let's see how they go. Um, I feel like there should be like a buzzer, like, question one. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe Maybe edit that in. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I probably (laughs) probably could make the sound, man. Maybe not buy one. (laughs) Um, So cheap. I'm not buying a buzzer. I'm just going to go bing myself. (laughs) So let's see. um, I'm going to change this question a little bit. So. would you say that being a bartender is your is your dream job? Um, it is now. It isn't compared to what I wanted to be when I was a kid, yeah. 
I always wanted to be like a, an artist, like graphic designer or an artist or something like that. I was also really into sort of like computers. And I believe for a very short time as a very young child, I really wanted to be a sniper. <laughs> <laughs> for what? <laughs> I think I just played a lot of Call of Duty and I was really good at sniping in that. So I was like, this could be a job. Nice. <laughs> it, it actually can be a job. They made a movie about it and lots of people in the military. Yeah, yeah, I, re- I remember well. that. It was like, I don't know. What's the guy's name that played it? The, the, the movie Sniper? Oh, fuck. I don't know. It was, it was, I think it was like a very American centric thing. It was like all over the news in England for like how popular it was in the US, but yeah. I don't think it really made a big splash over in England. It was kind of more just like, like watching America like collectively orgasm over this movie, which is like, Oh, cool. They really love snipers, man. Right. <laughs> okay. Um, what's your favorite hobby? Um, I, I mean, it's got to be the one which I do the most, which is essentially being a nerd. Uh, I play a lot of computer games. Um, what's the most recent computer game you play now? Uh, the most recent and the longest running would probably be uh, Dota 2, Defense of the Ancients. It's like an online five versus five. It's called a MOBA. Okay. It's basically like a team of five. You have a base and you have to destroy the other person's like base heart. Um, but there's a lot of just killing each other and pushing and you know, a lot, it's quite complex for such a simple game. But yeah, I've been playing that like fucking way over six years now, I think, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, for me, like I can't remember the last time I played video games, but it's usually I linger towards like um, single player, like Assassin's Creed. Yeah. Like there's probably like four of them that probably uh, dropped out like, you know, within the last couple of years. I was just like, yo, those are sick. Yeah. Like, I think the one, the most recent one was uh, Assassin's Creed, like, um, it's like the Viking times. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, That's yeah. pretty legit. For me, I think, I, I mean, I've always played games since I was a kid, and obviously there used to be no online games. Um, but I'm always attracted much more to multiplayer to the point where I almost mm-hmm. exclusively play multiplayer now. Um, I think it's because I just like that feeling of knowing that I've maybe ruined someone's day by beating them. <laughs> <laughs> So next, what is the one thing that annoys you the most? Uh, arrogance, uh, for sure. Like when people act arrogant, it really, really fucking grinds my gears. Could you have a recent example of that? Um, I think the most recent one, I mean, it's not even really, I mean, it's part arrogance, part racism, I guess, just one customer who I had to like kick out because he was been a menace to all the other customers and he was like local. And like, he started out like really sort of like overly friendly. And that was kind of the problem is like, he was like getting up in people's faces at tables and being like, hey friend and all that sort of oh. thing. In fact, you met Was that you, what you, the you guy? Were, yeah, you were here. But I don't know why I'm telling you, you were here. <laughs> I was going to ask, I was like, is he talking? Are you, talk- yeah, is that guy? Are you that actually guy? talking about the guy that was there? I was just there like, yeah, yeah, last yeah. Saturday, right? Yeah, like we, we like for, for the people listening at home, uh, basically like, we were just sat together at the bar, just chatting. And suddenly I feel like my chair been pushed sideways. And I look to my left and there's this like, I don't know, like 40, 50 year old dude. Probably on his 50s. Just pushing my chair to the right. And then he starts pushing your chair to the left. And he's like, I'm going to sit here, I'm going to sit here. And like, he spoke English. I was like, well, what the hell's happening? And we were like, no, like you can't just push in. And he was obviously just wanted to talk to the foreigners, I think. Yeah. And then like when we were like, no, he tried pushing my other friend who was to my right's chair away. Like these two ladies, it was like, oh, you move up, you move up. I'm going to sit here. <laughs> and we're like, no. I've even seen that in Hangzhou, like near Westlake. Mm. So they apparently it's some tradition where 
maybe older men and women, they would walk down the line. They would, if they see a foreigner, they would just naturally go up and just talk to them. And mm. it's awkward in, in the sense, but like, I mean, I mean, it's the whole sort of like interesting foreigners thing that you do get in the smaller cities here. Like I'm fine with it. Like it's not, there's nothing like uh, hostile in it. I think it's genuine interest. So like I can deal with it mostly. But this guy was just like in so many people's faces all the time he was here. And eventually I was just like, look, dude, you can either sit, like sit in your own table, like talk to some people, like a normal human being. Um, but you can't just like, you know, like, I mean, you saw, he like came up to this table of yeah, young girls yeah, yeah, who are my yeah. regulars, like dragged a chair up to the table and just started <laughs> dealing them in for a game of cards. And they're looking at me like, what the hell is happening? And I'm just like, dude, dude, dude. <laughs> they didn't invite you to play poker or whatever you're doing they've not said a word to you pretty much like just chill and have your drink and then when i told him he had to do that he was just started ranting out ranting out about how he's a chinese and we're in china and i'm a foreigner and you know he can do what he wants and i can't tell him what to do and all this sort of thing and i'm just like you're not like the owner of china dude (laughs) i wonder what his day job was maybe he's like a poker dealer could be (laughs) Okay, describe yourself in three words. Uh, tall, unhealthy. <laughs> <laughs> and I like to think uh, entertaining. <laughs> Very much so. Um, if you could talk in your sleep, what would you say? Fuck, I love sleeping. <laughs> Probably that. <laughs> Okay, what is the first thing you do when you get up in the morning? Uh, Check my WeChat messages to make sure my bar's not exploded when I was away. (laughs) Okay. What is your favorite joke? Uh, Okay, so this is my weakness. For someone who just said, who thinks they're entertaining, I can never remember a joke to save my life. Neither can I. No, like, someone's like, tell me a joke. And like, I've heard, you know, hundreds of jokes. Like, I love watching British comedians and stuff like that. And I... I swear to God, the only joke I can kind of remember is like, knock, knock, who's a yeah, yeah, doctor, yeah. doctor who. Oh, how did you know? It's because people who are funny, they don't remember their jokes. You think? Maybe. That could be arrogant though, because you're triggering me. But I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying though, because like if there's, there are some people that, you know, would recall themselves to be funny, but they're mm. actually not. Yeah, I guess. Also like, Jokes are something you you make a conscientious decision to make someone laugh or to tell a joke. So you need to like remember that specific set of words to do it. Yeah. Whereas like I kind of just do everything off the cuff, like everything. (laughs) (laughs) My entire lifestyle is just winging it. (laughs) So where is the worst place you could get stuck? Oh, hmm. I mean, it feels like the obvious choice is like a war zone, but... Where? Fuck it. (laughs) Anywhere bombs are going off, man. Um, Or to be like more obscure, like, I don't know. Can Can you imagine just like suddenly you wake up and you're like in Xi Jinping's bathroom? Like, how are you going to explain that? How did you get there? There's some shit's going to go down for sure. Like any world leader's bathroom, really. In fact, if you're just like open the door and they're like sat on their sofa and they'll be like, right. <laughs> that would be lethal. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. absolutely. Like you have no recollection of you just wake up in it, right? Yeah. Just like teleported in to it, the bathroom. It'd be even worse if you were on the toilet going to the bathroom. 
<laughs> you just he, he has to take a he has to, he has to take a piss, yeah. and as soon as he comes there, you're just like <laughs> listen, the, the, listening to a <laughs> the worst X Men mutant power. So I can teleport, but only when I'm doing this shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, what is your biggest addiction? Um, please don't say drinking. I mean, in terms of actual addictable substances, probably drinking. <laughs> That's the only thing I do. Like, I don't do tobacco. And while I I have nothing against at least most drugs, like father and, and brother did it and stuff like that, I personally don't do any like that. So, um, yeah, in terms of, like, controlled actual addictive substances, booze. In terms of things that are not like that, but you can get addicted to, probably still computer gaming. Mm. There's, there's definitely, mm. I'm a procrastinator as well. So there's definitely times where I'm like, I need to do this thing. And I'm just like, it's one more game. Like just one more Oof. hour, it's fine. And then like seven hours later, I'm logging off and I'm like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Where would you go if you were invisible? Oh, oh, oh. Don't know. Hmm. It, well, it'd have to be one of two things, really. So either it'd have to be, say, like, a bank fault. So that... I've always wanted a gold bar. Do you not think it'd just be cool to have, like, a gold bar? Like, like, like everything's pure gold? Like, like, literally, like, the ones, like, in movies. Like, just a gold bar. Just have it as, like, a fucking paperweight on your coffee table. Mm-hmm. Just, like, like, safe in the knowledge that if you do ever need money, you can just sell your paperweight. <laughs> <laughs> Never thought about it that way. That, or maybe like like a pawn set, because A, visually, nice. B, it'd be kind of funny just during filming to be there and no one can see you and just make like animal noises. <laughs> like they're like they're like midway through a shoot and it's like No <laughs> one's like, what the f <laughs> Bonus points if it's like a non-English speaking set because like people in different countries make different sounds for animals, right? Very much. Like like we do woof woof for a dog, but over here they do like wow wow wow. Whoa. Oh wang wang wang. Because they're yeah, because I mean the dogs that they traditionally have are quite like poodle looking yeah, yeah, like. Yeah, so yeah. I, imagine like being like I, on a Japanese set and like I'm sure they have maybe they have a different sound for horse, but you've just made the Western horse sound, so it's even more confusing. Mm. <laughs> Do they even have horses in like Japan? I'm pretty sure they have horses in Japan. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've seen illustrations of like horseback samurai. I don't think they like, you know, like they didn't like get it from Amazon Prime or anything like that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um what is the what is the thing you're most afraid of? Um heights. I, so am I. I hate heights. Um, there's there's definitely like a threshold, like a clear point in my subconscious where I'm like, this is safe, this is acceptable. And then it passes it and like my legs just turn to jelly and like I can't move and I'm just like, oh no, not going near that edge or anything like that. At a, at a point, it was, for me, it was flights. Yeah? Yeah, it was flights. And then like, I remember uh, we got on, I remember getting on a plane with my father going to Columbus, Ohio for like a basketball tournament. And... I'm literally, we're going like up and I'm just like, like losing, losing my shit. 
in it be- and I'm holding my dad's hand and stuff and I'm like sweating all over it. <laughs> I was like 18, it was like my first flight and stuff. And then it, when it started rocking, yeah. I'm like, oh, we're, we're, yeah, it, some friendly turbulence. Death is a, death is upon me and it's, <laughs> it's going to happen soon. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So <laughs> let's go with on a scale of one to 10, how cool are you? I think, Vasir, honestly, I turn up to 11. <laughs> how come? What makes it, what makes it 11? I think it's the effortlessness of it, really, you know. I, I, I can detest, I will give you that. Yeah, you know. Like, it is quite effortless for you to... Very cool, I'm very chilly willy. <laughs> okay. Hmm. Let's see what we got. Uh, what is the best advantage to being really tall? Reaching the high shelves, I mean, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> That and been able to sort of like when you do get things down for shorter people, mm. been able to sarcastically pat them on the head and be like, "Here you go, tiny person." Yeah, maybe that. Maybe I should reframe that question to, "What are the benefits of being really short?" <laughs> like, uh, like below. You'd have to ask my wife. I mean, she's like essentially a midget. Yeah, but not quite an actual midget so it's not some weird fetish thing like shorter than your wife shorter than my wife it's like between that would be midget an and dwarf is is are they different i always thought it was different like words for the, essentially the same thing if i hear the word midget i just assume he's like this <laughs> if i hear the word dwarf they're like a little bit taller but things are kind of how do i say it like Squinch, squeeze squeeze t- together yeah. kind of thing i mean at least they get a beard and an axe though that's, <laughs> that's what i'm that's that's dwarf it's like the that's what i'm thinking pack. about yeah. yeah that's what i think about when i think about a dwarf yeah like they no one they tosses a dwarf they'd have to climb up one of your your stool chairs yeah i mean it's actually like those chairs are quite tall like, like, i i have difficulty occasionally genuinely my wife needs to kind of yeah stand on like the the bar bottom there to yeah. get up. And if I'm thinking about a midget, like you'd actually have to pick them up and put them in the chair. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like a child. I, yeah, I, I've not actually seen any midgets in China so far. No. It's the same thing with maybe um, people who are obese. Have you seen I mean, anybody? I picking those up. <laughs> <laughs> I have definitely seen some people that are obese. It's like a lot more, I, in fact, I've, I've, I'm sure I've like read some stuff about like, as you know, like standards of living have become higher and access to sort of like richer foods have become higher. Like Chinese children are having like a bit of an obesity epidemic. I've definitely seen some little, some little fat kids rolling around. More so kids, maybe. What about adults? No, they're definitely, definitely skinny. Yeah, I've seen very few fat adults. I think that's just the previous lifestyle and you know all the historical hor- horrors that happened, mm. especially for the older ones. Okay, at your funeral, <clears throat> oh God, what song would you like to be played? Is there one song, or can you? By that time, you'll probably have a playlist. <laughs> you guys have got to stay for an extra hour to make it through the playlist. <laughs> Just sat there in church. 
Um, I don't know, really. I don't know. Like, there's, there's, there's the comedy sort of, like, staying alive option, you know? Okay. Um, maybe a, probably a Bowie song in terms of actual, mm. real meaningful thing. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, maybe just something, like, horrific, like Norwegian death metal, just to force people to have to live through that experience. If you lived on Mars... But I do. What kind of job would you have? Would you still own a bar? Space bar. <laughs> yeah. For sure. I mean, I, obviously, there'd have to be other people. You know, you require patrons. I mean, or aliens. Um, yeah. Then what would you call it? Would you still call it Life on Mars? I mean, it pretty much has to be called Mars Bar, right? Does it, though? Yeah. It could be Life on Earth. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, like, people are always like, whenever I say, like, oh, I want to open another bar door, I was like, oh, you're going to do all the planets. It's going to be life on Saturn. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, no, no, next one's life on Uranus. <laughs> what about this? If you won a million dollars, what would you buy? A house, for sure, somewhere. Okay. But I, like, want to retire. And then... Probably, like, I'm actually, like, pretty good with money. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not, like, rich and have huge investments or anything. But I live a very low-cost lifestyle, and I'm perfectly happy with that. I'm a very cheap person. So I'd probably just, like, invest it in stuff so it grows. So then I'd be like, I don't need to work anymore. Nice. Yeah. What about, this is a this is a good question. How do you like your steak cooked? Rare. Rare? Yeah, rare. My brother has it blue, which is essentially where you just aggressively look at the steak to cook it, and then you eat it. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, honestly, like, uh, rare, medium, where they're, they're all fine. Well done is where, you know, like, as someone that has worked in the hospitality industry and in restaurants, people that like it, well done. You know, there's, there's a special circle of hell for you. I, I, I would never, ever have a steak well, well done. No, 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 no does, not as any rational person. <laughs> well, there are some people who consider that rational. Yeah, but, you know, there are some people who are, you know, like serial killers. That doesn't make it normal. <laughs> okay. Or acceptable. Weapon of choice. Weapon of choice. Like in general or like, sort of like zombie apocalypse or what are we, what are we talking here? You know, we, we need some context because the, you know, you need the weapon to fit the role. Okay, you have, you've got a zombie apocalypse and they're all obese. And <laughs> Specifically obese zombies. And Chinese. Like, this, is, this, is, this is late in the zombie apocalypse when they've eaten everyone else, <laughs> yeah. so they're now obese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Starving. Um... <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, it needs to be something about ammunition because, you know, if, if it's at that point in the apocalypse, you're going to run out of ammunition at that point, right? So, you know, the, probably the trusty, like, baseball bat with, like, I don't know, like a saw blade attached at the end so you can, like, chop heads. I don't know. I see. Oh, oh, you can get, like, a baseball bat with, like, an axe head, but it's still also a bat at the same time, so you can do choppy and batty things. Mm-hmm. So here's another one. If you could replace yourself with your, let's say your great, 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 let's go 10 times great, great grandfather, mm-hmm. would you? I mean, 
Probably not. I really like technology. I mean, if I had like the knowledge that I do now, I could definitely, you know, like set up some cool lifestyles and stuff, but probably not. But yeah, I feel like 10 generations ago, mm. fuck, that'd be like a long ass time ago. Yeah, no, probably not. Okay, well, here's another one. How do you define happiness? Um, I feel like being able to sort of like take stock of where you are in that moment and feeling like you wouldn't really change anything. Could you elaborate more? Like, obviously nothing's ever perfect, but say for example, like I'm happy with who I am as a person, even though I've definitely made bad choices at times, you know, like like, like on paper, like dropping out of university. Bad choice, still got debt. But <laughs> I wouldn't go into the past and like change that and like stay in because like right now, like where I am, I'm, I'm fine with that. Like I'm happy with that, you know, sort of thing. I see. Uh, chocolate or caramel? Why? Um, nope. I feel like it's got to be chocolate. It's got a wide, wider range of options, different chocolate bars going on there. Mm. Also, I like re really dark chocolate, like like getting to the really bitter end. You like know? more than 70%? Come on, man. You got to be kidding me. I think so. Yeah, 70% is actually probably you not You got to be kidding me. me. Hmm? I can do 70. I can do more than that, I think. Yeah. I might as well chew the, the side of the corner before I eat that. <laughs> I take it you're going for caramel, eh? <laughs> I would, yeah, I would actually. But I, like I said, there's actually this, I think I told you this before, that there was a, a dark chocolate um, style where they have Himalayan salt in it. And it's very good. A good friend of mine told see, me about it. Versatile. So. Yeah, yeah. So I guess I see what you mean by like, mm. it's difficult to choose just yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm like, deep down, I'm a greedy person. So I'm like, how can I get the most shit from this question? Like, caramel. It's fairly limited in use, fairly limited in scope. Chocolate, loads of stuff. Very much so. Mm -hmm. Hmm. When are you most productive? Probably after my third cocktail. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely have more like energy <laughs> and focus, at least in terms of bartending after I've had a couple of drinks. Um, but in terms of like more like paperworky aspect and stuff like that, mm -hmm. a sunny day like today, basically, like I love to just like sit in the sun and then I'm completely happy to do work. But if it's like, say like gloomy or not nice, I'm just like, I'm going to sit in and play computer games. Fair. Yeah. So what's the next big thing for you and your business? Probably trying to open the second one. Um, I mean, I, when, when I came to China, I planned to open a bar. And in fact, I said, I want to open at least three bars with like different styles. <laughs> like this is kind of more just like a straight up craft cocktail bar. But then I, I want to do some more, which have like a much sort of like stronger sort of, maybe gimmicks to bad word, but theme sort of thing. <laughs> like um, I want to do, like, I'm really interested in doing say like a tiki bar. It's like Tiki's like an old style of cocktail, which is like really popular post-World War II in America. Mm -hmm. So like really romanticized uh, 
South Pacific Islander culture. So it's like, it feels like you're going on holiday when you go into the bar. Um, and it was like really famous, huge for a while. Like celebrities were in on it. It was like popular, but it kind of just like died after a while. But it interests me because it's like very visual as well, which is what like uh, people in China love like really visual, like Instagrammable places. So I think it's a business idea. Would work. Hmm. Mm, let's say. Who's your celebrity crush? Uh, Maybe I should cut this one out because I know you've got a wife. Don't listen, wife. <laughs> um, uh, I'm terrible with names. What's her face? Uh, she's like hilarious and beautiful. Um, terrible with names. Is your, is your wife not the, the same? Or? She is. She is. <laughs> Keep listening, wife. Um, <laughs> Um, God damn it, I can't remember her name. Uh, she played um, Hunger Games Bird. What's her name? I have no idea. Jennifer Lawrence, that's it. Jennifer, Jennifer Lawrence. Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence, if you're listening, I'm completely open to having a second wife. <laughs> um, and in more local thing, actually, there's like, uh, in a lot of local Chinese movies, there's this girl called uh, Jo Dong Yu. It's like super cute. Mm. Definitely, yeah. Uh, okay, last one. <clears throat> What makes you cry? Um, so actually, like, I've always been like one of those guys who was just like, men don't cry. And for a very long time, even if I felt myself like I needed to cry, I would like fight against it like so, so much. <laughs> so like, I, I feel like up until like my current, like my current wife, like, <laughs> like, I've had other wives. I've not had other wives. Yeah. I hope you're still listening, wife. Um, <laughs> Like all my past girlfriends and stuff, I feel like most of them haven't really seen me cry. Mm. Um, or family or anything like that. At least in one side sort of like hit certain teenage years. Um, but after like my father passed, um, obviously that was like a really sort of like emotionally traumatic for me. Mm -hmm. And I found like since then I'm a lot more open to sort of just like letting it out. And now like, like especially like in movies, if it's like a sort of like a really touching positive um, like emotional moment between people mm. like especially between family mm. I always get like really teary eyed at that like actually I was just like <laughs> before before I came to this we've been watching like uh, the season of Queer Eye for Straight Guy um, and like it's like such like a sort of good feeling sort of positive thing and pretty much every episode there's like a moment where like they'll be like you know like I just watched one where there's this there's this gay priest in I think Philadelphia mm -hmm. and there's kind of a moment where he like comes to terms with his gayness and I was just kind of like oh <laughs> damn like, like not, not, not like out white re weeping you know but like so definitely like tears in the eyes maybe just like one solitary sort of like yeah it, it's just like yeah. it, it just can't contain it just sort of just rips out yeah yeah I, I think there was a film like you've heard of you've heard of Black, The Black Swan right yeah yeah so like right towards the end where you know it's you know they're about to finish the show when she's at the top of that uh, that, that that part and then she jumps off and then she hits the thing and, and they realize there's blood over there and then when they ask her like you know like what happened all this stuff she just said i'm i'm perfect yeah. and i just like yeah. dropped Push. it literally just like dropped down it and stuff so out. yeah so now my last question i could have said that said that twice already <laughs> and it kind of went a little further um what would you leave our listeners after this 
particular, you know, chain of events and conversation, what would you leave for them? Final um, remark. Try to have more empathy for each other, you know? <laughs> I feel like there's not enough of that going around in the world these days, especially with all the, all the political shit. Yeah, you think of how COVID has sort of made people come out a bit more emotionally as far as whether it might be alt-right or left or even... <laughs> people come out a bit more dickish. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So definitely, man. Yeah. But yeah, thank you, Ross, for for everything, especially on this, man, because... <laughs> You're welcome. Turned a good, you know, click on the link on, uh, on my phone to, to developing a pretty good friendship and... I actually can say this is the first bar that I genuinely love coming to every time. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Appreciate it.